fantasy football today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. And we're down to our final two games before Super Bowl 53. We've had the AFC Championship game between Chiefs and the Patriots. I know Heath Cummings is happy about that. And the NFC Championship game is between the Saints and the Rams. Both games are rematches. Both games should be exciting. I'm Jamie Eisenberg. This is the Fantasy Football Today podcast with Dave Richard and Heath Cummings. Keith, what were your thoughts on watching your Chiefs advance? It was a weird game. Like, it was very exciting at the beginning, and then I think most of Kansas City was just sweating for, like, the next three and a half quarters. And then the Chiefs, uh, the defense was incredible. I really think the fact that they aren't calling as much pass interference in the playoffs helps that defense a lot because they're not very good, but they are very physical. A lot of hand fighting between cornerbacks and wide receivers, but the pass rush for Kansas City was just amazing. Uh, and the run defense pretty good, too. Dave, what were your thoughts seeing the uh, the other um, the other games unfold? Uh, Nick Foles almost pulled it out. I was I was convinced when they were up fourteen nothing. I thought, well, this is it. Philadelphia is just one of those teams that they turn it on when the playoffs start. And Nick Foles is that dude, I guess. But um, when when the Fletcher Cox went out, Brandon Brooks got hurt. That's when things got a lot better for the Saints. Cox did come back in, but he, I don't think he was as effective. And Drew Brees got it going. You kind of remember that Drew Brees this time of year and don't is you, that dude. Don't you think if Alshon catches that pass, the Eagles go score a touchdown? Probably. I mean, yeah. you know, just uh, the, the, the Nick Foles magic, the team of destiny, all those things were coming into play. And, you know, obviously you saw the, the look on Alshon Jeffrey's face. If you were able to see some of his remarks after the game, he took onus for the, uh, for the loss. And we come to find out that he played the game with cracked ribs. Also played all of last season or the majority of the end of the season with a torn rotator cuff. So, you know, tough guy on his part, unfortunate situation that he, uh, he was the cause or at least the reason the, uh, the end of the game happened the way that it did. Uh, we're recording this on Monday, January 14th. Just to recap the scores, the Chiefs beat the Colts 31-13. Rams beat the Cowboys 30-22. to That was on Saturday. On Sunday, the Patriots do what the Patriots do. They advance the AFC Championship game, beating the Chargers 41 to 28. Dominant performance by them. And the Saints beat the Eagles 20 to 14. What we're going to talk about today, we're getting to a little bit of the latest news and notes. Talk about the future for Antonio Brown, Larry Fitzgerald, Deshaun Jackson, Rob Gronkowski. All four players potentially moving on to different teams or moving on from the NFL. We'll get into a little bit more of the coaching news that's happening around the league. Two head coaches expected to be named once their teams are eliminated. Brian Flores to the Dolphins, Zach Taylor to the Bengals. We'll go over some plays from the divisional round, and by plays I mean the players, most of the guys that were eliminated, because we'll talk about the team still playing over the next couple of weeks as they advance, and we'll answer your emails. Before we get into the news and notes, uh, two guys in that Colts-Chiefs game of note for fantasy owners for 2019. Marlon Mack and Damian Williams. Mack did not have the greatest performance, did average uh, 5.1 yards per carry, so uh, Adam Azer's YPC for life continues. Uh, Mack had nine carries for 46 yards, no catches on one target. Damian Williams was a star, however, 25 carries for 129 yards and a touchdown, and five catches for 25 yards on six targets. We did a non-PPR mock draft last week. I know I said that we would talk about that in the coming weeks. We're not going to talk about that today. I'll give you some sprinkles of where some of those players were drafted that we're going to talk about throughout the course of the show. Mac went in round three. Damian Williams in this draft went at the end of round two. Thoughts? I still don't. This was surprising to me that Damian Williams got that many carries in a game. He's never obviously had that type of workload in his career. 
Um, I still don't really believe that Damian Williams is going to be a 15 to 20 touch guy in 2019. And so maybe, maybe maybe over the next two weeks of 2019, but not next season. I expect the Chiefs address the position. He'll be part of a committee going into the preseason, and he may have a role, but I don't think he's going to be the feature guy. I think into the second's way too early. Jamie, do you remember when you talked about how the Steelers running backs for years have been great? It's the system that they're in. It's just the, the way that it is with that team. And I think coaching's got a lot to do with it. And that got me thinking about Kansas City and Andy Reid. And what do we know about Andy Reid and all the running backs he's had? He's had a lot of really good running backs, but they've all been schemed really well. And is that not what's going on now with Damian Williams? He looks like a superstar. He does. And I just wonder if maybe Kansas City, it doesn't matter for them to go out and put a ton of money in Le'Veon Bell's lap or to spend an early sure. round pick on a running back. I don't think they have to do it. I think they'll draft a guy. But I think for now, Damian Williams is going to be their top running back next year. So let's go back a couple of years. They spent a third round pick on Kareem Hunt. And Spencer Ware, who is kind of a similar situation to Damian Williams, was expected to be the starter in name only going into camp <clears throat> Excuse me, with Hunt competing for the job. Now, we thought that Hunt had the upside to take over for Spencer Ware, mm-hmm. and I'm sure we'll probably say the same thing about whatever rookie that they do invest in, or maybe free agent. Could be a Tevin Coleman type, a TJ Yeldon type, third down type of guy, but someone who fits the system. But they did pay Damian Williams prior to the start of the playoffs, and I think showing that they do like him, and to your point, Heath, while he may not be this type of player, right now he's this type of player. And so I, I think it's something to consider. Yes, round two is, is probably too soon. Um, but if he has potentially two more strong games and they don't significantly invest into the position, then he may creep his way up into that round two to four range. So that's something to consider. And in our PPR mock draft, he did go, I believe, in round six. So it may slipped a little bit in that format. Marlon Mack in round three, is that kind of the spot you think he'll settle in? Yeah. That's where he'll go. Unless unless they don't. Of course. Like, you know, circumstances will change and, I wonder if they're as in love with him as maybe some people who had him on their fantasy teams late in the season are. Cause he's, he's an injury prone man. Like, and he got hurt in this game. Too. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'd be concerned about Marlon Mack lasting a long time. And I don't know if I want to spend a, certainly not a second round pick on one of those running backs, but a third round pick. Maybe you do it. I don't think he's going to be, he might start the season as the main guy in Indy's backfield, but I don't think he'll be the only guy. They did, for what it's worth, spend two draft picks on running backs in this previous NFL draft with Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins, and Hines establishing himself as more of a pass catcher, Wilkins more of a you know, direct backup, but we'll see how they, again, address the position. This is one of the rumored destinations for Le'Veon Bell. We'll talk more about those running backs when we get into the divisional round review. Uh, so some news and notes from since our last podcast, essentially. A lot of it has to do with uh, coaching and, and players on the field, but Antonio Brown still drawing a lot of... News uh, and, and attention for some of the things that are happening with his situation in Pittsburgh. Here's what Steelers President Art Rooney II said on Thursday, basically after we recorded our last show. So he said, there's not much we can do right now. We have time to make a decision. We'll look at all the options. We're not going to release him. That's not on the table. But I will say all other options are on the table. Whether the situation can be reconciled and have him back on the team next year, we're a long way away from thinking that can happen. We're not closing the door on anything at this point. So according to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, the Steelers cannot do anything with Brown until March 13th, which is the first official day of the new season. He's due $2.5 million roster bonus on the fifth day of the league year. So my math, I believe that's March 18th, um, or I guess March 17th, excuse me. And then he's scheduled to count 
uh, over $22 million against the salary cap this coming season. If the Steelers trade him, he would still count over $21 million, but of the remaining of his $40.8 million signing bonus, but he would save the Steelers $15.1 million uh, in real money. So depending on how you dice that all up, it's it's it's, it's, it's uh, annoying, <laughs> essentially, in how you think about it. So just think of it this way. The salary cap is going to be like $180 million. Mm-hmm. So one-ninth of the Steelers' salary cap would be in a player that they don't have on their roster. They can get around that for a year, but it's not ideal. And one ninth is not correct. No, by the way. no, it's not not ideal at all. But I don't, I don't think he's coming back on the team. From what they're saying, and, and and the reports coming out of it does not sound like. And, and you're hearing again Art Rooney saying, hoping to to reconcile oh, the yeah. situation. But who knows uh, how they really feel, um, given that he walked off walked out on the team during a week seventeen game or practice situation when they had to win that game and and try and make the playoffs. According to the NFL Network, the Broncos could be one of the teams interested in Antonio Brown. And other teams that also could be looking at him are the Jets, the 49ers, and the Colts. Um, in our, again, this latest mock draft, he was selected in round two. Uh, first pick off the board in that round after Odell Beckham, Devontae Adams, and DeAndre Hopkins. So I asked both you guys to give me some good destinations for Brown that would probably keep his value in the same range. I mean, leaving the Steelers and what he has there, I don't think is going to be a good thing for him. Unless he does miraculously end up with the Patriots and Brady's still playing at at least this level, the Saints, which could obviously use a number two receiver as we saw in the playoffs with Michael Thomas just dominating everything, the Rams, but we know that they've spent the last two offseasons revamping their receiving core, and obviously the Chiefs, if Patrick Mahomes were to get his hands on, on Antonio Brown, that would be fantastic. But I don't think any of those scenarios are very realistic. What do you guys think the best spot for him? I'll start with you, Heath. Uh, the first, I, I came up with two. The first one, I think, is by far the best option in San Francisco because we get him in Shanahan's offense. We get him with Jimmy Garoppolo. There's really no, I mean, there's decent wide receivers in San Francisco, but there's nobody that's going to keep him from getting 150 targets for the season. So I, I think that'd be fantastic. The other one I came up with wasn't on the list of teams that could be interested, but I'd love to see him on the Browns with Baker. That would be fun. And I don't think that's realistic because I don't think the Steelers would trade him to the Browns unless the Browns grossly overpaid. San Francisco is going to be one of those teams where I think he could still have like top 10 value. Um, I almost, I almost took your question, Jamie, as a trick question because I don't think there's a, I don't know if there's a team he can land with where he's even going to be a top five wide receiver. No, I, I, and think and about everything sure. that's like he's, perfect. He's not a top for him. five wide receiver for me now. He is, he is for me if he stays in Pittsburgh because I just think the synergy with Roethlisberger and the track record of him in that offense, I think that continues on. I don't think that's going to happen though. I think we're going to see Antonio Brown in a different uniform. What about Philadelphia? Would that be such a bad spot for him? I think we, no. Carson Wentz would be the quarterback. Maybe not quite as accurate as Ben Roethlisberger, but a big physical passer who can keep plays alive with his legs and chuck it downfield and a good smart play caller. I wouldn't hate to see him there. And the other team that I had, I've got a couple that are like dream scenarios. Like Tampa Bay would be a fun place for him to go. I don't see how that happens, but him with Bruce Arians would be a lot of fun. Uh, if he's the number one in Jacksonville and Nick Foles is the quarterback in Jacksonville, I think that could be kind of fun. What about Oakland? 
if he's the new number Gross. one receiver if, in if, Oakland. If he goes to Derek Carr, we'll know he's done. But uh, 170 targets are going to be on the table there. He's going to get targeted like crazy. That's the problem with Philadelphia, I think. is It'd be a good situation with Wentz. It's a good offense. They'd score a bunch of points. I don't know that he gets more than 120 targets. Well, there. that's Andy Reid's M.O., and that's Doug Peterson's M.O., is that they don't Spread feature the, the number one guy to the level that most number one guys get. But featured. would that change if they got a guy like Antonio Brown in? I don't think you keep that philosophy if Antonio Brown comes to your team and is your receiver. What about the Colts, though? I mean, which is what the NFL Network is suggesting. Because that, that would, would be, be fun. Yeah. That would be amazing for Andrew Luck. Um, and I think he'd definitely top 120 targets there. Goodness gracious. How do you defend that if you're well, going you get, up against Indy? That's yeah. Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison again. Yeah. yeah. And those guys had some pretty big years together. And I think that would keep him. That would obviously be a top 10 He'd be in, I mean, he look, would be a top I, ten receiver I, I, in Indianapolis. I, I didn't. I didn't mean it as a trick question, but obviously it, the the thought was, can he stay as a number one wide receiver? You know, I, I don't think anywhere he goes, unless it's one of these just amazing offensive situations where he is going to get targeted from an elite level quarterback with a good play caller. Yeah, right. Then he stays in the top ten range. It's a lot to ask for. Exactly. You know, I mean, you could see any. If I'm any team, like what the Rams did to get Brandon Cooks, mm-hmm. if I pick at the back end of the first round, I will offer a first-round pick for him. But I don't think he's worth it at 31 years old to be commanding a first-round pick. So the Steelers are probably going to hold out hope that somebody is desperate enough to do that. The 49ers may be in that situation just to give Jimmy Garoppolo that type of play caller. Maybe the Colts again since they're picking at the back end of the first round. But I think it's going to be more of a second-round pick or multiple second-round picks. But if you're picking toward the back end and it doesn't really look like anybody's going to be a difference maker for you right now that you need to win now, which is what most teams in that spot are, we'll see if somebody well, ponies up to go get him. That goes back to Oakland, who has three first-round picks. Sure. And two of them are in the back half of the first round. I wonder if they oh, pony, offer up Chicago's them. pick please don't go to go them. get him. Well, that would be bad news for Antonio Brown. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald on ESPN reports that he uh, has not made a decision about his future for 2019. We talked a lot about Cliff Kingsbury and what his offense could be for uh, for the young receivers there with you know Christian Kirk and seeing what they decide to do. But what would this do for uh, for Fitzgerald if he does decide to return? And, and Heath, you took him in the 15th round of our draft. Uh, <laughs> obviously, that would change a little bit if he does return. I took Christian Kirk in the 8th round. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this system, especially in over a one year, could be really good for Larry Fitzgerald. He doesn't do a great job of getting open on his own right now, but I think Kingsbury is going to, if his college history is any indication, he's going to do a very good job of scheming wide receivers open on shorter type routes where Fitzgerald doesn't have to ha- use his blazing speed. Tight ends don't have a big role in Kingsbury's offense. He's a slot receiver, Dave. <laughs> Put some respect <laughs> on his name. I, I mean, look, we don't know what he still has left at his age. He'll be 36. But... We've written him off before when he's had bad passing quarterback situations, and then when he got good ones, a la Carson Palmer, he looked better with Bruce Arians. He looked better, and then he gets this offensive disaster last year, and he looked old. Yeah. So I mean, and he had a bad catch rate on top. Of yeah, that. I mean that's Josh Rosen, though. That's not him. I think you're right. <laughs> I know I'm right. Uh, <laughs> I've seen Larry Fitzgerald enough to know when he I, plays with Matt. Barkley I think and- he gets schemed well in the red zone. He had what? He had six touchdowns last year. Which is about what he's been He'd since He'd get the to Palmer eight, Aaron's. but I bet the yardage wouldn't be anything special. No, but he's going to be a number three-ish receiver, I would say. Mm, I wouldn't want to draft him as my number three receiver. I, w- I, I don't think he'd be that. I would, I would look at him in the back half of the draft for sure. Mr. Fitzgerald? Oh, I'll have him in the top 36 if he says he's coming back. 
It's in my contract. <laughs> <laughs> I almost think he, yeah, it's it's hard not to envision him being somewhat productive, not I don't thousand think yards and I don't think he gets guys. peppered with targets. I don't think it's going to be what he was two, three years ago. Well, I think the, I, I think the, they'll be more successful throwing the football at least the first year in Kingsbury system. I'm yeah. not sure if it'll last, but I think this first year. And wasn't there, the guys but it's, wasn't there an initial receivers. spike when Byron left, which took over too? In targets yes. for Fitzgerald? Yes. yes. I think almost certainly yeah. there were, and it helped him out, and then it went away. Because well, who the heck knows why? Because yeah. right, we'll Arizona. See. We'll see. In any event, something to keep an eye on this offseason to see what Larry Fitzgerald decides to do. If he does not return to uh, the NFL, he's a, a Hall of Famer in five years. Start the clock now. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, the NFL Network, reports that um, new coach Bruce Arians would like Jackson to return. Um, it'd be fun. To see, to bad see Jackson. News for Chris Godwin. It would be bad news for Chris Godwin. It feels, though, like if Jackson's in Tampa Bay, it's almost like what he had with John Brown, you know, with just mm-hmm. the guy that can get down the field and, and make some plays, but it'll be inconsistent. I mean, basically, that's what Deshaun Jackson's career has been. Uh, you know, they could always just go get John Brown, uh, who I believe is a free agent. Does that make Chris Godwin Michael Floyd? <laughs> it might. <laughs> it, it just might, although uh, I, that'd be me carrying that flag instead of Adam this time. Um, how bad would this be for Chris Godwin, though, if Jackson's back? If Deshaun Jackson is back and Larry Fitzgerald is back, I'm going to draft Fitzgerald before Godwin. Oy vey. I don't know if I'd want to get either one of them on my team. I, I mean, I see the potential in Godwin, but he would need, I think he would need an injury to either Jackson or Mike Evans to really meet is, is the Adam potential Humphreys that we agent? want. Adam Humphreys is a free agent. So somebody's got to play the slot. Maybe they, that's where they put Godwin. That would help. He's not a burner. I mean, he's a, he's a physical guy, but right. I don't know if he's a quick twitch slot type of guy, but no. we'll see. But, uh, yeah, so that's something to keep an eye on as well, Deshaun Jackson, um, and how that will impact Chris Godwin. Godwin was drafted pretty high in this league. He went in uh, round six, so right after Calvin Ridley, ahead of Jarvis Landry, ahead of Alshon Jeffrey. So um, people get excited about Chris Godwin, but this may put the brakes, pump the brakes on that a little bit if uh, if Deshaun's back, Deshaun Jackson's back. Rob Gronkowski did play in the uh, divisional round. If you missed it, he had one catch. It was uh, a nice catch for 25 yards, but he was getting a lot of praise uh, for his blocking. And he did a great job, you know, uh, handling the line of scrimmage and, and doing some things there. But we know we do not like Rob Gronkowski as a blocker. Uh, we'll talk more about what happened to him and what will happen to him when we get to the divisional recap. But the NFL Network reports that he could retire after the season. We've talked about this quite a bit. Would it be surprising at this point, though, if he retires? Not no. Sure. No. I mean, sad. it would be, it would be very sad. It would be the end of, you know, one of the great eras in fantasy football. Stud tight end, guy that I've, I've seen him go as a first round pick. You sure. almost never see tight ends go as first round picks. And we may see Kelsey go as a first round pick in some leagues this year. In full PPR yeah. leagues next year, potentially. Certainly in like real deep leagues, 14, 16 team leagues. I guarantee it someone will take him. And, and Gronk was, uh, Kelsey was a second round pick in this draft. Gronk was a fifth round pick. Um, as the fifth tight end off the board behind Kelsey, behind Ertz, behind Kittle, and behind Eric Ebron. I don't think that will be the case, obviously, if he's not playing. But again, we'll get into that a little bit more when we recap the uh, division round. But let's talk about SeatGeek. We love SeatGeek. It's a great way to save money. By the way, if you want to take $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase, just download the app and use the code FFT. That's code FFT for $10 off your first purchase. Heath, I know you love SeatGeek. I've used SeatGeek several times. Uh, I went to a Marlins game with the whole family. I went to a Jack Johnson concert with my wife. I always find good. I mean, you save money on that first purchase, but then you're going to save money anytime you use it because the prices on there. It's so easy to 
uh, set up the settings to where you can tell exactly what the price is when you're looking at the ticket. You not like see the price and then you go to purchase it and all of a sudden it's fifty dollars more than you thought it was going to be. So yes, absolutely love SeatGeek. Uh, and SeatGeek searches multiple ticket sites, grades every ticket based on value, saves you time, and saves you money. And every purchase is fully guaranteed. Remember, you could save ten dollars. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FFT. That's promo code FFT for ten dollars off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. All right, so in our last podcast, we got very much into the coaching changes around the league. Um, there were six coaching hires initially made with two more still to go. The last two, which seem to be in place, the Dolphins are expected to name Patriots defensive coordinator Brian Flores as their head coach, and the Bengals are expected to name Rams quarterback coach Zach Taylor as their head coach. The other six coaching hires that were uh, named, the Browns hired Freddie Kitchens, the Broncos hired Vic Fangio, the... I'm blanking on the rest of them. Uh, help me out here. Which teams? Broncos hired Fangio. The Browns hired Freddie Kitchens. The okay. uh, Cardinals hired Cliff Kingsbury. The Packers, Packers hired Matt LaFleur. The Jets hired Adam Gase. And the sixth one, who am I missing? No one remembers. No one, no remember. one remembers. Oh, Bruce Arians to Tampa Bay. Yes. There we go. So those are the six. So See, you got it. Um, the the last two again the Dolphins with with Brian Flores and the Bengals with Zach Taylor the reason those have not been named officially is because those teams are still playing and they are still coaching so at least that's the expectation so Flores has been with the Patriots since 2004 as either a scout or a coach he had a very strong performance obviously against the Chargers but as always is the case with Bill Belichick assistants especially on the defensive side of the ball is it him or is it his assistant coaches that are doing the game plan and as we know the assistant coaches for Belichick in the NFL his coaching tree is not exactly the most bountiful. Romeo Cornell, Al Groh, Josh McDaniels, Eric Mangini, Nick Saban, Jim Schwartz, Bill O'Brien, and Matt Patricia. And we're talking Nick Saban with the Dolphins, not Nick Saban with Alabama. Uh, Matt Patricia and Bill O'Brien still that are uh, currently coaching. Um, O'Brien's had the most success as in terms of wins and losses and playoff appearances. Patricia, uh, the jury's still out on him. So what are your thoughts on Brian Flores taking over the Dolphins' job? More importantly, it sounds as if Jim Caldwell could be hired as the offense coordinator. Well... Let me just tell you that a Patriots defensive coach combined with Jim Caldwell, that's just going to lead to unbelievable optimism running through South Florida. Uh, I'm, I'm being sarcastic. I, I don't love the Flores hire and I'm very wary of the Jim Caldwell hire. I know Caldwell has been at the helm of some very good offenses, but those have been with very good quarterbacks and the Dolphins quarterback situation isn't very good. Uh, there was an ESPN report that the Dolphins are already planning to kind of tank 2019 to get ready for the 2020 draft. There are much better quarterbacks in that draft compared to this draft. I think that's a smart thing to do. I guess these would be the coaches to help them get to that 2020 draft and evaluate talent and build a team around whatever rookie quarterback would come in. I think the Dolphins are going to be or one of those. Be, could, be, could be veteran. I mean, they could sign. They could get a veteran for 2019. Nick Foles or Joe Flacco, any of those guys. Yeah. If they, I, Flacco makes sense. The other, maybe Bridgewater makes sense, but I, I think Nick Foles is going to earn a contract that's going to get him more than one year's sure. playing time. Uh, the Dolphins are going to strike me as a team that's going to be a mess in 2019. Oh, it's going to be terribly gross, awful. So they're, they're skill guys that I think we'll be looking at. Uh, Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balaj in their backfield. Kenny Stills and Danny Amendola and maybe Devontae Parker if he returns. Um, and Mike Gusecki will be, you know, entering his second year, but he did not have a very good rookie season. I don't think anybody's looking at those guys as anything in the first four rounds. Maybe Drake comes into play in the fifth round would be the earliest, I guess. It's good. It's really going to depend on what type of smoke signals and indication we get from Caldwell. 
about how he wants to use his running backs and whether, like, are we going to give Kenyon Drake another chance to be a future running back? I would think, like, if any of us three got that job, we would go in and say, oh, man, Kenyon Drake needs to touch the ball more. That needs to actually happen. I, I, I would be slightly encouraged by him if we get some positive notes. And what about Frank Gore? Well, he's a free agent, so we'll see, see so if we'll he comes back. bring him yeah, back. At, he may go to the Jets. <laughs> he may go to the Jets. Uh, Drake was drafted in the sixth round. He was the first Dolphins player off the board. Were there other Dolphins players that were even drafted? I'm going to guess Stills was drafted. I haven't really went. Yeah, Stills was drafted in the 13th round. I'm not going to. I mean, if we're already planning on the Dolphins being a hot mess in 2019, I don't think their run game is going to be very prominent. No, but their offense I think they'll was, have to end up playing from behind a lot. Their mm. offense was among the worst in the NFL. I think they were 31st in total yards or 31st in scoring. It was, you know, bottom half of the league. It was good enough to get Adam Gase another opportunity. But, as, as an offensive guru, no less, um, Drake still had 1,000 total yards in the mess of a situation that he was in. I think he scored eight touchdowns. So it's not like he's just a, a waste without the work. If he gets the work, like you said, Heath, then it could be, okay, I'll buy back in. And yeah. I think around round six, I was considering him as well, um, just as a, at that point would be a fourth running back for me. So I think as a number three running back, you'll take a chance on him. Sure. If, in fact, he is guaranteed to be the guy. And Balazs is not a bad guy to take a flyer on if Gore is gone because has some upside, just needs an, an, an opportunity. But uh, Stills and Amendola, Amendola probably late PPR. You'll take a, a flyer on him depending on the quarterback. And Stills, like you, like uh, we just talked about, round 13 for him. With the Bengals, however, they have some much more interesting uh, fantasy options. Zach Taylor, uh, along the lines of if you know Sean McVay, you get a job in the NFL. So he spent the last two seasons as the quarterback's coach. We know Sean McVay works a lot with Jared Goff and calls the plays there. Um, Taylor had a brief stint as an offensive coordinator and the interim role for the Miami Dolphins when they fired, uh, ironically enough, the former Bengals offense coordinator, Bill Lazor. So he got to coach the Dolphins offense for the final five games of the 2015 season. He's a little bit familiar with the uh, city of Cincinnati. He was the Bearcats offensive coordinator in 2016 before joining the Rams staff in 2017. So again, if this is the hire that we're expecting to uh, get the official word on, what does this do for Andy Dalton? Does it change anything for Joe Mixon, A.J. Green, and Tyler Boyd? Are they just, okay, they're good players in good opportunities. Draft them as you would, no matter who the coach is. I'm a little more optimistic about this situation. Zach Taylor's been uh, pretty much, uh, he was a quarterback in high school, quarterback in college, barely played quarterback in the Canadian Football League. I think he was a fourth stringer. So he wasn't very good, but it's that quarterback mindset that I really like. And he was a quarterback's coach for the Dolphins before getting that. His father-in-law is Mike Sherman, who was also on that Dolphins staff. I uh, and, and his brother's, I believe, a quarterback's coach for the Eagles. This guy is, a, you know, like a big-time forward-thinking, probably quarterback-reliant type of mind. But it's still Andy Dalton. Are you changing your mind I, on Andy we Dalton? We don't know if it's going to no. end up being Andy For well, now, let, it looks let, like let's, it's Andy let's Dalton. Assume that, that's, I that's, think it's going to end up being Andy Dalton in 2019. Uh, yeah, I think Andy Dalton could be a little bit more aggressive. I think they're going to do a better job of protecting him. I'm, I would, I'd like to see what this receiving core looks like and what the offensive line looks like. Well, I mean, I think you, and know, if what, so, you, you know what these skill players are. AJ Green's back. Tyler Boyd's back. The third what are they going to do? Probably John Ross. The tight end. I'm assuming is going to be Tyler Eifert if he's healthy. It shouldn't matter. Cross, it, I don't think I'm going to draft him because of the tight end. I mean, they have the same three guys. It's not going to make a difference. The offensive line is what's going to really make the difference. Which played well last year until Andy Dalton got hurt. I mean, you know, you had Billy Price playing well. You he had, was in and out of the lineup. He was hurt. Right. And the left tackle was hurt. Cordy Glenn was in and out of the lineup. He was hurt. When they were healthy, that's when Joe Mixon was awesome and Andy Dalton was putting up decent 
decent numbers with Green, with Boyd. Remember that game against the Ravens on Thursday night? He looked like a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Ravens looked like trash in right. that game. So, but again, Heath, are you changing your view of Andy Dalton in a positive way to the point where cracking your top 15? I don't think he's cracking your top 12. And then does it change anything for the three main skill guys of Mixon, Green, and Boyd? No. No. It doesn't I, hurt I though. I'm not. No, agreed. This isn't a, a, a negative by any stretch. No, but which this is isn't, good. I don't it's think still an unknown. I don't think this is vault Andy Green, uh, AJ Green back into the top five a wide receiver. It doesn't vault Tyler Boyd into the top twelve. It doesn't nope. make Joe Mixon better than where he's going to be drafted, which is borderline top ten type of running back. Where where do you go in our in our most recent? Mixon went round two. Okay, which is where he's going to go, no matter who the coach is going to be. Right. But I like this coach. I, I think this is going to be a, a good hire. I think it'll help everybody in Cincinnati. I don't know if it's enough to get Andy Dalton drafted. Great. Uh, AJ Green went in round three. I took Tyler Boyd in round six. So, I mean, that's kind of the range. That's that these where they're going to go. I don't think, again, this Boyd this in round six might be pretty good, actually. Uh, yeah, I was happy with that. Mm-hmm. I, I think he'll be four to six, depending on, mm-hmm. you know, how it goes. He uh, had a third year breakout. So we'll see how he builds off of that. And hopefully he's 100% uh, healthy coming off of the knee injury that he sustained toward the end of the season. The Browns made an interesting hire as their offense coordinator to pair with Freddie Kitchens, and that's Todd Monken. I don't like the scenario from one standpoint. I would have liked to see Monken go somewhere where he would be the de facto play caller. Not that he may not call plays here, but in a situation where he doesn't have another offensive mind, young play calling type of guy in front of him that he can maybe put his hands on the offense a little bit more, but he's going to work with Freddie Kitchens. Does this change your opinion at all, Heath, about the Brown skill guys now that you have after what we saw in Tampa Bay, now potentially in Cleveland. Man, if they would go get a downfield wide receiver, I'd be really excited about him. But Monken's talked a lot about not wanting to play for five yards. He wants to go down the field. When Freddie Kitchens took over, Jarvis Landry stopped seeing so many short targets because he wanted to go down the field. I think the Browns want to be vertical. They just need one receiver that can do that consistently. But Adam Humphreys was a star for Tom Monken. He, he and, did. And if he Landry have, goes back in the slot. Yeah, I think Landry will go back in the slot probably. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not going to draft Jarvis Landry this year. Now they have, um, I mean, you could say Antonio Callaway has the potential to be a good downfield receiver. Yes. And if they do bring back Brashad Perryman as a free agent who got new life with the Browns and mm-hmm. looked pretty competent with the few targets that he got on occasion, um, there's one guy who's a free agent, which would be interesting to see in Cleveland. And that's Tyrell Williams. Oh, for sure. That would be fun, you know, to see him maybe end up in that type of spot. Again, like you said, Dave, I don't think the Browns are going to go get Antonio Brown, but no. uh, how much fun would that be? So uh, your thoughts on the, the Brown skill players with Todd Monken? I, I think I think it's going to be a very good mind meld between Kitchens and Monken. Monken, I think, has proven that he can be a good play caller, even though he got the uh, job taken away from him in Tampa Bay. He might have been a little too aggressive for Dirk Cutter's taste, but he knew that he didn't have a run game then. He's got a run game now. True. Cleveland's an offense on the rise. They're going to be a lot of fun next year. But Heath's right. They got to add another wide receiver. They need uh, a number one outside threat. I don't think Callaway can be. Can we just do Antonio Brown for Jarvis Landry in a second? (laughs) I'll tell you what, though. I'm taking Antonio Callaway with late round pick in every draft. Sure. This 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 makes him better than what he was as a rookie. Is he Deshaun Jackson like the last couple of years of Deshaun Jackson? If he's Deshaun Jackson when he was in Tampa Bay, you'll be thrilled with wherever you get Yeah, sure, Cali sure. John Jackson. Brown could be interesting there, too. John Brown could be interesting there. Maybe well. they're playing musical chairs. One of those guys ends up. Honestly, maybe though, it's Deshaun in Cleveland and it's John Brown in Tampa Bay. I would like Bruce. to see John Brown stay on the East Coast just for his health because yeah. he made it through 16 games without any issues with the sickle cell trait. So hopefully that may have been contributing to it. Um, not that Cleveland has the same environment that Arizona had, but 
um, still, he was uh, he was very good on that side of the country. Um, speaking of Baltimore, the Ravens have uh, promoted Greg Roman from their tight ends coach to be their offense coordinator. He is replacing Marty Mordenweg. And we know Greg Roman, what he likes to do, and that's run, run, and run some more. So he's got the right team to run as a result. Uh, Lamar Jackson and the running game in Baltimore, conversely, the passing game in Baltimore, depending on who the wide receivers are there, is this going to be just, unless they get some superstar receiver and we buy all into Lamar Jackson becoming a better passer, avoiding the receivers in Baltimore? Yeah. At least as presently constructed. Michael Crabtree could return. <clears throat> Willie Sneed almost definitely will return. And as you've probably uh, gathered by what we've been saying, John Brown is a free agent, so he may leave the team. Yeah, I want no part of the passing game. I mean, maybe Lamar Jackson, but not the receivers or the pass catchers. Roman's been an offensive coordinator six years in the NFL. His team has been top ten in rush attempts all six years. Oh, yeah, he loves Top three, four of the six years. So they are going to run the ball a ton. I'd like to have their running backs, and I don't know if that's set in stone. But which one? That's gonna, the thing. I don't think Alex Collins has a chance of making it back to this roster next year. Uh, I believe he's a restricted free agent. He's they can just not agent. tender him, and off he goes to find a – place to try and make a team so is it edwards dixon and whatever they do maybe in the probably draft? almost certainly frank gore reunites with greg roman <laughs> in baltimore uh yeah yeah could be uh would be nice to see them just stick with edwards and dixon and let's see how this training camp battle unfolds but we know how baltimore has been the last couple of seasons uh with the running backs um we did see a tight ends coach get promoted to offense coordinator in recent memory and that was pat Shermer in minnesota and all of a sudden kyle rudolph took off does this maybe have a similar impact on your guy, Hayden Hurst, or as we saw at the end of the season, Mark Andrews, that not necessarily you're drafting these guys as starting tight ends, but um, helping the position get a little bit better because he was in the room with those guys? Will Greg Roman stop using five tight ends and just use two of them? Because I think if it was just Hurst and Andrews, it could help one of them. But right now they still have three or four other guys involved at all times. They're nice, big, physical targets that a quarterback that's not – Dead on accurate, could lean on in short area passing. And we saw that with Andrews. I mean, yeah. Andrews, you know, and close. Hurst is the one that like has the speed, but Andrews had some amazing catch and run plays. You just wonder if maybe Hurst was not 100% healthy or maybe just not that good. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's something we're going to have to wait and see what happens Cover this offseason. Um, hey, I mean, it's early. Rookie tight ends are bad. Ravens, the Ravens, he's not the typical rookie, though. He's 100 years old. Uh, Would this Ra- be the absolute worst landing spot for Antonio Brown? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. It also couldn't happen. Also, uh, right. Yes. I would uh, be stunned if it happened. Yes, but. unless they somehow managed to let him go as a free agent in some capacity. Sure, and then like, the Ravens just jump you, all over. Steelers, him. I'm going to your biggest rival. Um, we don't have to talk about this much, but the Broncos are still looking for an offense coordinator. Gary Kubiak is not going to get that job. Uh, that was at least the thought when they hired Vic Fangio. And I, I like that idea. Um, yeah, it would, would have been interesting. Like, I, I didn't love it, but, you know, it would have been interesting to see how it would have unfolded. He was going back to the, the team that he mm-hmm. was the former that's head coach happening. for. Uh, but no, that's not going to be the case anymore. And the Jaguars are trying to maybe get an interview with Kubiak, but the Broncos, at least over the last couple of seasons, have blocked Kubiak from leaving with the thought that he was going to return. Um, couple of defense core, a few, uh, three defensive coordinator hires Chuck Pagano to the Bears. Vance Joseph to the Cardinals and Steve Wilkes to the Browns. We'll see how those uh, defenses go. Does this still keep the Bears in play as the number one DST next season? I don't think it hurts them. Yeah, I think so. It's it's fine. You know, Chuck Pagano was lauded for what he did in Baltimore, sure. but then when he was the head coach in Indy, how many times was that defense great? Oh, it was terrible, but he had no players. I mean, right. You know, that was, uh, I think Chuck Pagano could still be a decent head coach as long as Ryan Grigson's not paired with him as the general manager. Sure. So I, I think I think any time a, a, a defensive coordinator worth his salt gets a talented unit like the one Chicago's got, it's going to lead to good things. 
Um, and then the two drafts we've done, you've taken them. I have. You, you've pulled the trigger on them. I'm taking uh, them as the top DST. Yeah. I, I like the Wilkes hire in Cleveland, by the way. Because sure. that Cardinals defense, they, they hung in there as best as they could, at least against the pass. Against the run, not so good. But their offense put them in terrible positions all year long. I don't like Steve Wilkes as a coach, but as a guy who can organize a defense. Yeah, a head coach, coach, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. As a guy who can organize a defense, I sure. think he'll be okay. No, he was great in Carolina as their defense coordinator, which is why he ended up getting a lot of interviews and eventually getting hired. But we saw that work done. Look, Vance Joseph's had a, a decent track record also as a defensive coach. We'll see what he does with the Cardinals, however. That's a team that needs a lot of work. I'd be worried about that run defense. Uh, yeah, sure, on, uh, on that side of the ball. All right, we'll get into the division round recap right after this. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Chiefs 31, Colts 13. So what I want to do is with these divisional round reviews is kind of just look at the teams that were eliminated because we have time to talk about the teams that are still alive. I'll I'll go through the stats for each of the teams that won, uh, and we'll talk about a couple of the guys and also where they were drafted in our recent mock draft. So for the Chiefs, Mahomes goes 278 with no touchdowns and no interceptions, but he did run for a score. He went in round three of our uh, mock draft after going in round two. Is that kind of you think where he'll settle? You took him, right, Heath? I took him in the third yeah. round, and it was mostly just because I didn't think I'd have a chance to take him again very much this offseason. I, I think his ADP will be first round. Yes. But in our drafts, third round is where he's going to go most of the time. Yeah, probably on the swings, or you picked yeah. him uh, second, second overall, third, so, yeah. right, yeah. Or in, in that range. So um, you could have taken him in either spot. I don't think anybody would have had an issue with that. In the last draft, that in the PPR one, he went uh, very early in the second round, which was a little bit of a surprise. So Damian Williams, we talked about him at the beginning of the show. 25 carries, 129 yards, and a touchdown. Five catches for 25 yards on six targets. He did go with the last pick in round two. Uh, as we said, that's probably a little bit too soon, but we'll see how the playoffs finish to see where exactly Damian Williams does end up. If you want a little bit more about uh, Williams and his fantasy value, go back to the beginning of the show. You can hear our thoughts on uh, his performance there. Tyree Kill, eight catches, 72 yards on 13 targets. He did score on a 36-yard touchdown run. He went at number 15 overall in round two. That's about the spot I think will go in most drafts. Travis Kelsey went right after him. He had seven catches for 108 yards on 10 targets. Sammy Watkins was interesting. He came back after missing the last five games of the season with a foot injury. Six catches for 62 yards on eight targets. He went in round 10. I drafted him. Do you think he'll increase his value if he has a strong playoffs, strong offseason, or is he going to be a double-digit type of guy? I think he's probably going to be more of a sixth or seventh round pick if He's healthy, and he has a good finish this season. Isn't he going to be the guy that gets taken in drafts in round seven or eight because someone knows his name and knows what his potential sure. is? And, and the offense he plays in. And the offense, sure. But I don't think that he's he's a number three receiver. 
Like, this is the number three receiver that I would go after, not Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, agreed. I, I think there's more upside with him, but as we know, he has a hard time staying on the field, as he proved this year. When he was on the field, he's had some very good, if not great, moments, but um, missing five games at the end of the season, including the fantasy playoffs, is a little bit hard to stomach when you know that that's the potential for him. Um, six for 62, if he scores, that's a that's a good day. It's not a bad day in PPR with the 12 PPR points. Uh, for the Colts, so their season ends. Andrew Luck, 203, one touchdown, no interceptions. He did rush for 17 yards on two carries. This was only the fifth game for him, under 20 fantasy points. So he had a very strong rebound campaign after missing the 2017 season with that shoulder injury. He went round five as the number three quarterback off the board behind Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers went in round four. Again, Mahomes went in round three. Is this about the spot you think for Luck? And do you think, I, I know you guys have, as of now, uh, Luck as the number two quarterback. I have him as the third quarterback behind the two guys who went ahead of him. Do you see him slipping maybe behind anyone else, um, potentially this offseason? I, I don't. He's gonna. I think he's going to be my number two guy. Then things change. Antonio Brown's going to sure. join a new team, and we'll see where he ends sure. up. Oh, I mean, obviously, if Brown goes to... <laughs> if the, he goes to Indy, is he the number one quarterback? No, but he'll be number two for sure. He's he should be great. Um, his offensive line let him down in this game, mm-hmm. if you ask me. That and his defense, those two factors, you know, they're kind of important. I think his defense probably played as well as they could play against the right, Chiefs. but they were shell shocked early on, and uh, it really changed the, the flow of the game. Yeah, really, it was. Yeah, this didn't change anything for me with Luck. He's no. gonna, he's probably going to be number two. There's something that could happen that could get me excited about Rodgers, make me move him ahead of Luck. I can't see moving anyone else ahead of Luck though. Yeah, uh, again, nice to see him uh, rebound, and, and again, only five games under 20 fantasy points, so he was very consistent throughout the course of the season. Marlon Mack, again, we talked about him at the top of the show. Uh, I just wanted to add one thing about the draft. He went in the third round. Uh, he went ahead of Leonard Fournette, which is probably not a surprise, but he did go ahead of Sony Michelle, Chris Carson, and Carrion Johnson. Now, obviously, Michelle's coming off this dominant performance, which we'll talk about. Do you think he's in that mix of these four or five running backs, or well ahead, maybe behind? I probably would take him behind this group. I think I'd probably rather take Mac in the fourth round. I I would prefer to take Mac in the fourth round as well, but I might put him in, in that. I put Leonard Fournette in that same bin. I don't know if yes, Fournette. I'd rather have all these be, guys than Fournette. <clears throat> like Michelle, I would take ahead of them all. I'm probably going to come out on the aggressive side on carry on, mm-hmm. and then Carson's probably going to be like that guy that I would take in round three, but I prefer to take in round four. The the one thing, well, all those other guys went in round four: uh, Fournette, Michelle, Carson, and Carry On. Mm-hmm. Um, Fournette was uh, either the he may have been the end of round three, but right. So if I had to pick one of these five that we're talking about, it's going to be Sony. As the one to go ahead of him. Yeah, and especially in this If I had to rank these five. This is, this is non-PPR where both Mac and Michelle benefit. Both guys did not prove themselves to be significant pass catchers. But in the case of Mac, uh, Dave alluded to this with the offensive line. It, it's a fantastic group, and maybe they even add to it this offseason. So that'll be fun to see. Uh, T.Y. Hilton finishes with four catches for 60 yards and a touchdown on 10 targets. It was his first touchdown in eight games, if you can believe that. He went seven games without scoring a touchdown. Uh, he went in round three after Juju Smith-Schuster, ahead of Mike Evans, A.J. Green, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, and Keenan Allen. Again, this is non-PPR. Is this the spot that you'll end up seeing him go in most drafts? I think so. This is right about where he'll be. He'll be a top-12 fantasy receiver and uh, one of the guys that you'll snap up in round three. You like him better than these guys, worse than these guys? Uh, I like Juju better than him, but uh, I'll take Hilton over everyone else. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. And again, you know, uh, AJ Green's coaching change, I don't think changes things dramatically for him. The Minnesota guys, you know how that goes. Maybe Keenan Allen, that, that might be the only one, but that's more probably PPR than non-PPR. Eric Ebron goes 5 for 51 on nine targets. He went in the fourth round as the fourth tight end off the board behind Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, and George Kittle. Is that where you guys have him ranked as the fourth guy? I have him as the fourth guy. Taking him in the fourth round of a non-PPR draft is a little steep, but if you want to get that position taken care of, I, it's probably something that you might do. If it was late fourth round, I get it. It was the, the middle of the fourth round. Uh, he's coming off a season where obviously he had his best year in the NFL by far. Uh, 13 touchdowns in the regular season, 14 touchdowns overall. But as we know, Jack Doyle did not play a significant portion of the season. We'll see how that impacts Ebron going in next year. And Ebron's going to be one of those guys we talk about with regression. We, like, he's not going to score this many touchdowns next year. And the targets when Doyle was there were pretty unimpressive. So I, I don't want to take any tight end in the fourth round besides those big three. So I'd probably just wait. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting because like you said, I, I agree. I think you'll see Ebron come back to the pack a little bit. Um, OJ Howard now as a coach who does not feature the tight end in Bruce Arians. Um, Gronk is fading fast. Evan Ingram, we saw when, Guys were healthy when guys weren't healthy. Got to get one of those big three. Uh, it, it, I, I mean, the two drafts that we've done, I took Kelsey in the second round and I took Kittle in the third round, mm-hmm. and I was not even concerned about And I passed on wide receiver. We'll talk about my teams and our teams yep. when we get to this draft recap probably next week. But it's, I, I'd rather have the tight ends secured than the receiving court. And there was a draft that we did. It was our PPR draft mm-hmm. where I didn't take a tight end until later. They were getting taken in front of me, in front of me, and I was pissed. Yeah, I, I, I want to have one of those stud tight ends. They're going to get pushed up in drafts. It makes you feel a lot more comfortable when you see your team having those guys out there and the numbers they produce. The Rams beat the Cowboys 30-22. to For the Rams, Jared Goff, 186 passing yards, no touchdowns, six carries for 12 yards on the ground. He went in round 10. Is this just one of those guys that, you know, I figure most drafts will be in that round 6-9 to nine range is where he'll start to go that you're going to settle for but be thrilled about? Mostly settle for. I mean, I'd be thrilled that I'm getting a top 12 quarterback in the double digit rounds, but I'm not going to take him in round six through nine. So if that's where he starts, I'm, to no, I'm not saying we aren't. I'm saying right. most drafts that's where I think his ADP will probably be in that range. Uh, he is someone I'm fine with as my starting quarterback going into the year, but only if I get him at a huge value. Right. And I think that'll be the case for him. Uh, we've seen now two seasons with him under Sean McVay. The coaching staff for Sean McVay is getting ripped apart <laughs> in some cases, mm-hmm. uh, losing Zach Taylor. We'll see if that's any sort of impact, but Goff has proven to be a good and sometimes great fantasy quarterback, typically at home. This was a little bit of a surprise that he did not play as well in Los Angeles. Todd Gurley comes back after missing the final two games this season with a knee injury, goes 16 for 116 carries for 115 yards and a touchdown, two catches for three yards on two targets. He went number one overall, no surprise there. The big surprise in this game, though, was C.J. Anderson. While Gurley was healthy, 23 carries for 123 yards and two touchdowns. So this is now three games in a row with him with over 100 yards rushing and a touchdown. Now, he's a free agent this offseason, getting a lot of questions on, what do we do with Todd Gurley if C.J. Anderson is back? I'm not worried. Are you guys worried about if C.J. Anderson is there and what we're seeing from potentially the final few games of the season for the Rams that they could be more of a tandem than a featured scenario? Couldn't we just chalk this up to a veteran running back who had fresh legs and joined a really good offense at a time when they needed Forget about a the two running back. games. This game is what it, people are focused on because they saw him have more carries, more goal line opportunities, more touchdowns, mm-hmm. and more production. How do you think Gurley looked in the game, at least early on? Sluggish, but he, they, they, they said it on the broadcast. Right, conditioning, conditioning was an issue. Was an issue. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of the reason why he, Anderson had the work that he had. To answer I, your question, I, Jamie, no, I'm not worried. I would like to not be worried. 
if this goes on for two more games and they split carries and they go win the Super Bowl with this approach and then they sign C.J. Anderson to bring him back, I'm going to have a very hard time ranking Todd Gurley number one. So you would put him where? Behind Barkley, behind Zeke, behind who? I think behind Barkley, behind Zeke. So he'll be third. I think he'd be third. I think the one thing to take into account is what they do this offseason. I I can tell you right now there's probably three teams that are going to be begging for C.J. Anderson to come sign with them. The Packers, the Cardinals, and the Bengals. You're saying that Sean for a reason. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they, I see. They, see, they see him touch something and it works. I was thinking the Chiefs. <laughs> uh, the Chiefs it would be interesting too. Look, uh, CJ Anderson is not the uh, most svelte of running backs. He, uh, he, he, he certainly is, is running well, but we know what his track record has been when he's been given extended work. He does not necessarily finish the season and he flamed out in Carolina when he was expected to be in tandem with Christian McCaffrey. He didn't get an opportunity in Oakland when they lost Marshawn Lynch. And like you said, Dave, he got to a team with a great offense, a great offensive line, and certainly uh, has taken advantage of that. But uh, I, I feel bad for the team that's going to overpay him this offseason after this postseason run because they're not going to get value on their return. And, and please let it not be the L.A. Rams. Uh, even if it is, I'm not moving Gurley. I think Gurley's going to be fine, and I think we're going to see this week when they're probably chasing points against the Saints, we're not going to see a lot of C.J. Anderson. So as we a uh, uh, little tease for our Thursday show with DFS, I will not be recommending C.J. Anderson in any lineups. I don't care what his value is. Robert Woods goes 6 for 69 on 8 targets. Uh, Brandon Cooks 4 for 65 on 6 targets. You guys both took him back-to-back in the 4th round. Cooks went one spot ahead of Robert Woods. Uh, I think that's great value for both those receivers. I'm sure you guys would agree. Yes. That's a great time to get either one of them. Yep. The Cowboys, uh, for Dak Prescott, he goes 266 with a touchdown, no interceptions. He also ran for a touchdown. He really played well to close the season. He finished as the number 14 quarterback just in terms of his weekly scoring. But this was a 24-point performance. He was basically right around 21 points per game since getting Amari Cooper. He did not get drafted in this draft. Understandably so. We're only going to take one quarterback for the most part. But is there any chance that he could become someone you consider based on what he's shown you when Des Bryant was healthy and playing well and what he's shown you with Amari Cooper now playing well? I don't know that there should be that big a difference between Dak Prescott and Jared Goff. I agree. I, I agree too. So I, I'll be fine with Dak Prescott as my week one start. I mean, we'll see what their schedule's like. Sure. They may have a terrible matchup in week one, and then I won't consider him. Probably the Giants. I always play the Giants in week one. Yeah. That, and if they're playing the Giants in week one, I'll be fine with it. I, I don't mind having him as my starting quarterback, but I'm not going to pay anything more than 11th or 12th rounder. We're always looking for a quarterback that's got a great number one receiver, that can run the ball a little bit, that's got a good offensive line. That's in a good scheme. Okay, well, that one maybe we could debate a little they bit. Did, they did, for what it's worth, announce that Scott Linehan is coming back as the Oh, right. So that's it, it. we could debate that. It can't be considered a negative. It could be neutral point if you want, but he's got the stud number one to Mark Cooper. He's got an ascending talent in Michael Gallup, who I'm sure we're going to touch on in a mm-hmm. second. A couple of candidates to be contributors at offensive line. Zeke is catching the ball out of the backfield, and he runs with the ball. And you're going to get him late on draft day. I love it. I absolutely love it. This this is the type of formula that you're you're looking for in fantasy football. Amari uh, Ezekiel Elliott goes twenty carries for forty seven yards and a touchdown, two catches for nineteen yards on five targets. He goes number three overall. No surprise behind Todd Gurley and Saquon Barkley. We can debate ad nauseum this offseason about where he'll end up going in the first three overall picks, but he'll be a top three overall pick. Amari Cooper six catches for sixty five yards and a touchdown on nine targets in the eleven games since coming to Dallas. From Oakland and clean the playoffs, he has eight games with at least eight targets, and he scored at least 13 PPR points in seven of them, nine targets again. So Cooper, he went in round four of this draft. Any surprise with that, or should he be a little bit higher? That's too late. I, I think he's an early round three guy. I, I agree. Yep. I'd, I'd love to get him in round four. 
Uh, I would as well. I think he's going to end up being on the cusp, if not somewhere 10 to 15 in a lot of our rankings by the yeah. time we get to August. But he should be a top 15 uh, overall receiver. Michael Gallup goes 6 for 119 on 9 targets. It was his best game of the season by far. And he finished with a touchdown or 100 yards in three of his final four games, including the playoffs. Uh, he ended up going in round 8. He seems to be a very good complimentary wide receiver to Mari Cooper. Absolutely. And a couple of the catches that he had against the Rams were really, really nice. I do think part of the reason why he had a big game was because of Marcus Peters. Peters was out of position on a couple of plays. Uh, Joyner was out of position on the deep ball. That was almost a touchdown. You know what I think of Michael Gallup. I think he, I, I, I thought he could have been the number one receiver in Dallas to begin the year. Uh, he couldn't do it then. They got Amari Cooper. And now in that number two role, he seems to be shining. And he'll definitely be back in that role next year. Round eight, great time to get him. Patriots beat the Chargers 41-28 for the Patriots. Tom Brady, who was not drafted, <laughs> unbelievably so, went 343-1 and uh, no interceptions. You think he's going to be drafted in most drafts by the time we get to next season? Or is this going to be the case that he's going to fall that far? Like you're taking Dak Prescott or Tom Brady next year? Uh, Dak. Dak. Wow. How the mighty have fallen. I still. I, I don't know if this is mighty fallen or a couple of idiots sitting with microphones in front of the uh, right now. It, well, is like, what's he going to next year with? Julian Edelman's is number well, one. We'll Chris Hogan's is number two, we'll, and we'll, no Gronk. We'll see. I mean, he went for three forty-three and one. He went for four touchdowns in week seventeen without a, a, a solid receiving mm-hmm. core. It's still, it's still look for the majority of his career. He didn't have exactly the greatest receivers. He had one amazing receiving core. In 2007, and then he's kind of had, okay, a good guy here, a good guy there. We'll, he, we'll see. He finished, what, 15th this year? Yes. Yes. I mean, look, yeah. he's getting older. He's not getting better. It's right. A, but we've talked about pairing Brady with another quarterback yep. late on draft. Yeah. I mean, it was a surprise that he did not get drafted, but I think in most, most drafts he'll be, he'll be off the board. Sony Michelle had a dominant performance, 24 carries for 129 yards and three touchdowns. He actually caught a pass on one target. He went in the fourth round. I think that's probably a little bit too low, in my opinion, in this uh, non-PPR. PPR, I'm okay with him round four. He went behind Devontae Freeman, ahead of Chris Carson, Carryon Johnson. We talked about him being in that group. Um, I think he's more of a round three guy in this in this format. James White, no carries. 15 catches <laughs> for 97 yards on 17 targets. He went in round seven. That's about the norm, I think, for non-PPR league where he'll end up going now that he's part of this tandem with uh, with Michelle. But is he a number two running back in non PPR? I think he's a flex, but that's round seven is the flexus range. Sure, it's not a not a bad spot for him. Look, if you're getting nine points in non PPR, you're going to be happy with that as your number two running back. Right? How often does he get ninety seven yards receiving though? Well, he usually gives you forty fifty rushing yards and forty fifty receiving yards. So that's the kind of the range he's been for the majority of his career. If he does that, that's um, great. Or when he's been productive. If he does that, then he's a bargain in round seven. Uh, Julian Edelman goes nine for one fifty one on thirteen targets. I took him in round five. He was actually my number one receiver. To your point, Heath, if this is the only guy he has, as we seen from Edelman this season he can get by in this format typically he's better in PPR um, I would rather have him as a number two receiver but the way I built my team he was uh, he was the best guy on the board if he's giving you nine for 151 or a touchdown he either had a touchdown or 90 yards receiving in all but one game this year including the playoffs so he was very consistent in 2018 Gronkowski one catch for 25 yards on one target even if he does return next year I can't imagine drafting him well, there's going to be a spot where you'll settle for him. I, yeah, I mean, round ten. I, I, I think round I, took, eight? I think I took Hunter Henry in round nine in this draft. Mm-hmm. If Gronk had still been there, I would have still taken Hunter Henry. You took Hunter Henry round six. Oh, <clears throat> wow, that was too early. Mm-hmm. Tight ends went early in this draft. Uh, they did, but you know, that there's going to be that rush for him. It's going to happen. And then the two other Patriots guys, uh, Dorsett for 
for 41 and touchdown on five targets. Chris Hogan, three for 13 on five targets. We'll see how these guys finish. Uh, but Dorsett steps up once again without Josh Gordon on the field. That's how they started the season with Dorsett making some plays for them as a secondary receiving option. That was also without Edelman serving his four-game suspension. The Chargers, Phillip Rivers goes for 331, 3-1. He was drafted in round 13. Is he going to be another one of those guys in that Goff, Dalton, uh, yep. excuse me, Goff, Prescott uh, range that you just sort of yes, said before? Yes, yes, yes. Too many quarterbacks. Melvin Gordon did not have a good finish to his season. I don't know how healthy he is, but nine carries for 15 yards and a touchdown, one catch for 11 yards on two targets. He was the number six overall pick. I don't think that's going to change unless we find out that he has some serious knee injury. Austin Eckler was paired with Melvin Gordon, the owner who took Gordon in the same draft, also took Eckler. He had no carries, three catches for 19 yards. Is round nine too soon for Eckler? No. I think it's okay. That's going to be right around where he'll go. Keenan Allen went in round three, as we alluded to, two catches for 75 yards and a touchdown on six targets. He almost had a second touchdown, but he was ruled down at the one on what was one of the most ridiculous reviews that I've ever seen. I don't Mm -hmm. know how that was considered a catch to begin with. Round three, maybe round two in PPR. Mike Williams went in round seven. He had five catches for 68 yards on 11 targets. Uh, What do you think about him in the seventh round? It's about right. Tyrell's gone. So assuming Tyrell's gone, yes. he's a free agent. Then, then I think he's going to be a sixth or seventh round guy. I think he's right there in that same Sammy Watkins conversation. Yes, uh, entering his third season, you know, so hopefully bigger things ahead. Tyrell Williams closed the season strong uh, with his game against the Patriots. Five catches for 95, 94 yards on seven targets. He went in round 12. And then Hunter Henry actually played. He had no targets. Uh, but Heath, you said you took him. It was round six. He was the number eight tight end off the board behind Kelsey Ertz, Kittle, Ebron, Gronkowski, Howard, and Ingram. I think that's still the spot he's going to go. I don't think he's going to slip much more than that. You think he will? I I don't know that we're going to see eight tight ends go off the board in the first six rounds very often. I think the number eight tight end is about where it'll go. I think that may be the seventh or eighth round in a lot of drafts. Sure, and but that's going to be right about where it Antonio is. Antonio Gates and Virgil Green both score touchdowns for the Chargers. Where are you drafting them next year? Well, Gates did say he wants to play, and so if he does come back to uh, to the Chargers, that's not going to be the greatest scenario for uh, Hunter Henry in terms of his breakout. For the Saints, they beat the Eagles 20-14. to Drew Brees goes for 301 and two touchdowns with an interception on the first play of the game for New Orleans. Alvin Kamara, he went in round seven. That's about the spot I think you'll see him go in most 80. Brees went in round yeah, seven. Brees went in seven. Kamara went fourth overall. He had 16 carries for 71 yards, four catches for 35 yards on four targets. Mark Ingram, nine carries for 53 yards, two catches for nine yards on two targets. He went in round six. It's hard to say where he's going to go because we don't know where he's going to play. Another great guy would be great in Kansas City. Another guy that would be, yeah, that would be an actually a very good pairing. And Travis Kelsey and Mark Ingram work out together in the offseason. We'll see if uh, there's a sales pitch going on there. Uh, Michael Thomas, can't guard Mike, 12 catches, 171 yards, and a touchdown on 16 targets. He was the second pick off the board in round. It was the second pick of round two in this draft. Uh, 14th overall. You can make a case that he is uh, is a first-round pick in any format. Absolutely. Uh, Ted Ginn goes three catches for 44 yards on seven targets. So much for him being a DFS sleeper. He was not drafted in this, uh, in the, in this format. Draymond no. Smith, however, one catch for 15 yards on one target. He was drafted in round 12. Do you think that'll be the case? More people excited about Traquan than so Ted Ginn? I bet there'll be some for buzz sure. about Traquan. Yes, 100%. And, uh, for the Eagles, Nick Foles. So here we go. 201 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. He ran for a touchdown. He was not drafted in this mock draft, but, the offseason is going to be interesting for Nick Foles. He has a $20.6 million mutual option with the Eagles, so either they both have to agree that they're going to, to have a mutual pairing for next year. If Foles wants to try and become a free agent, he just needs to give back $2 million, and then he becomes free. Um, 
they're also going to try and trade him clearly to see what they can get in return. So the best landing spot for Nick Foles sounds like maybe Jacksonville. Not necessarily fantasy-wise, but in terms of NFL-wise. Yeah, where would the other places be? We talked about Miami as a possible spot if they want to commit to him for Giants, a couple of years. You know, if they decide to move on from Eli Manning, the Raiders, if they decide that they're going to move on from Derek Carr. Um, Broncos. Broncos certainly could be in the mix if they move on from Case Keenum. You know, so there are going to be some some teams vying for his services. Obviously, the draft, I'm sure, will be an impact on that as well. Or he could stay in Philadelphia. A lot of people are, are speculating that that could be the case, that he does not leave Philly and just stays there as a backup to uh And they trade Wentz? Wentz. Well, I don't think they're going to trade Wentz, but stays as the backup to Wentz one more time, just given what Wentz's health is. Look, $20 million to do what he's been doing the last couple of seasons is a pretty good paycheck Sure, uh, for a guy who... And they're not... Well, Wentz is still getting a pretty big contract. It's just the rookie Eventually. Deal. Right now he's not. Right. Well, um, I mean, he's, the rookie deal isn't chump change. He was the number two overall pick. Sure, but the the money differential is significantly in Foles' favor. Um, and Foles, look, when he went to Los Angeles, and that, or St. Louis, I guess at the time, mm-hmm. uh, had a miserable experience and said he almost quit football. So if he's happy being the backup, so be it. He's collecting a nice paycheck. Thanks, there, so. Jeff. And Carson Wentz, uh, who obviously did not play, he was drafted in round 10, probably the range that he'll go in most of our drafts. I'm sure you would probably not take him in round 10. You would settle for somebody else. Yes, I'll settle for somebody. I'd rather have Dak. Uh, understandably so. Uh, no significant performance from the Eagles' backfield in this game, but Jay Ajayi, who did not play, is a free agent. He went in round eight, round eight to you, Heath. Um, expectations for him? I just think you get to that point in the draft, and like, there's a chance he's a feature back somewhere. So we're going to have to wait and see. It's hard to have any expectations until we know what team he's on. I would kind of be surprised if he comes back to Philadelphia. So he may be looking for a job, and he'll probably end up in part of a tandem, but he should have the heavy load of that tandem. Have right. you guys surprised that Josh Adams had absolutely no role in this game? One carry him? last week, too. I mean, it just seems that he's fallen out of favor, and you wonder what the scenario is going to be next year. This is a team that should try and make a play for Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, that They need to overhaul their entire backfield. I, I think if Sproles wants to return, you know what his role is. He'll be fine. But for the most part, this is not a backfield that you can say has a lot of fantasy value, unless maybe they do bring back a Jai and he's 100% healthy. Alshon Jeffrey again, five catches, 63 yards on eight targets. He did have the bad drop that led to the interception by Lattimore at the end of the game. Played through broken ribs. Um, round six, I think that's actually a steal, given what I his agree. role is. But I, I, I think round five is going to be where he ends up yeah, going in most healthy. drafts. So mm-hmm. round six, it's not the biggest steal in the world, but I, I think he's a number one receiver on a, on a good passing team. Yeah, it's just, it's just the health. And whether he can say, I mean, mm-hmm. he's had like one year in his entire career where he stayed healthy. But in terms of playing through injuries, at least he's, you know, whatever he could play through, he's playing through. You right. know, torn rotator cuff that he had to have surgery on, which is kind of the reason why he missed the start of the season. And then obviously he didn't want to leave the playoffs. Golden Tate had two catches for 18 yards on five targets. He will be a free agent this offseason. He was selected in round eight. His value will obviously change depending on where he ends up. Good landing spots for him. That'd be a great guy to pair with T.Y. Hilton. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Great slot receiver there in, uh, for the Colts. Zach Ertz goes five for 50 on eight targets. He was the last pick of round two to, to you, Dave. Um, and, uh, as we know, certainly the, uh, the upside there to be the number one tight end is, is on the board for him. No, no catches, no targets for Dallas Goddard. So if you're, uh, hopeful for Zach Ertz and maybe what Goddard can take away from him next season, this was a positive sign. Yeah. I don't know how often that'll be the case though next sure. year. I think Goddard's going to have a pretty decent role. Um, Nelson Aguilar goes one catch for six yards on three targets. He was drafted in round 12. You know, you want to take a late round flyer on him. I'm certainly okay with that. I know I said that we will answer some emails. Uh, unfortunately, we're running out of time, so we're going to do that in our next show, uh, and we'll preview 
the upcoming AFC and NFC Championship games on Thursday and get into some of the uh, DFS plays for that. And uh, I promise we will spend some more time answering emails. So continue to send them to us. Fantasy football at CBSinteractive.com. CBSI.com. We're gonna send you, you can send us your emails to uh, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Uh, For Heath Cummings, Dave Richard, I'm Jim Guys. We're gonna go back. Na, 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 na.